Welcome back to episode 70 of Chess Journeys, Tales of Adult Improvement. Here on Chess Journeys, we seek to not only highlight the glories of rating gain, which is awesome, by the way, but also the more norm, the plateaus, and even the unfortunate those who are in the pits of despair. Uh, if you want to support the show, the best way to do that is Patreon Chess Journeys. And I want to thank Jay Tuttle, Jay Garrison, Donna Rich Burgess, Brandon Hallside, David Schreiber, and Lindsay Newhall. Uh, you can also use our sponsor, Chessable, who is awesome and does everything. Uh, I have a course I'm I'm working on. I broke out the opening last night uh, in, a, in a rapid game, and my opponent had no idea what was happening. It's like a, it's a variant of the Queen's Gambit decline. Very quickly got a big lead. I was so excited. I was like, yeah, okay, it works. It works. Um, you can also use Chessable for endings, middle games. Uh, anything you want, Chessable's got it. You can use it like a book. You can use their uh, their special move trainer technology, however you want to use it. Um, if you want to see me more, I've been streaming. I'm actually going to stream. Ooh, okay. Well, this won't come out till Wednesday. So I'm going to stream like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So you can see me the next day, tomorrow. Tomorrow you can see me uh, making this a big streaming week. My wife is out of town, which is giving me a little more time to stream. I'm going over Karpov's games. It's been super fun. I don't know what he's doing. Every time I think, like, this is it. He's going for the kill. He'll just be like, no, no, no. Kevin, what if we just went A4 and just moved the pawn on the other side of the board? And I'm like, Karpov, what? And my favorite part, though, is there's a lot of times where I'm like, no, Karpov, now is the time. And the computer's like, Kevin, you're right. You're better than Karpov. So we're getting there sometimes. But usually he's right. It's really frustrating. He's usually right. All right. If you want to appear on the show... Fill out the Google form in the show notes. We all want to hear your story. Uh, well, this week, we're going to bring in our guest, Zach. And this is a return guest from episode 22, which is, if you can believe it, like a year ago. These are really fun to bring the people back to see how they're doing. Last we spoke, uh, Zach was making this massive rating gain. I believe he was sitting at about 1700 and we'll see where it continued. I assume now he's like, at least I am, maybe a few norms. Let's check in. Zach, welcome to the show. And have you had a chance to play any chess yet today? Hey, Kevin. Uh, happy to be back. I have had a chance to play some chess today. Um, not at IM level, but uh, yeah. Okay, you haven't gotten all three norms yet. Oh, that's fine. Right. Like, the yeah. norms take a while. The norms take a yeah. while. <laughs> okay. Well, let's start here. Last you were here, what was your rating and, and where what were you up to? Uh, How did you get that rating? Just like the brief overview for those of you who might have missed episode 22. It's hard to believe, man. 70 shows is a lot. Like it now is, when people yeah. discover my show, they have to listen to 70 weeks to catch up. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. So um, let's see. The, the too long didn't read about my chess journey was uh, I played chess in high school and um, that went that went really well. I enjoyed it. Played a little bit of chess in college. Didn't enjoy it so much. Took a break. Came back right around the pandemic. Um, oh. And my initial rating on chess.com was like 13, 1400. Um, and within that year, I was able to get um, up to 1700 um, on chess.com. My um, over the board rating um, was only online at that point because I could only play in the pandemic. And that was about 1100. And mm. so we spent a lot of time talking about that discrepancy because I'm playing online um, on chess.com, but I'm also playing online in USCF chess.com ratings. And there's just, mm. you know, 600 point discrepancy what's happening. Um, yeah. And then I, I went on the show 
And uh, within a month, I hit 1800 on chess.com. Well, we got to stop there. So (laughs) this is a great advertisement for the show. You get the 100 point bump. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, no, absolutely. You will you will experience one month of absolute chess euphoria, followed by about 10 months of chess misery. Um, That's that's my official endorsement. I don't know if other other (laughs) folks can can attest to that. But yeah, I hit I hit eighteen hundred in one month. And my rating today on chess.com is eighteen twenty. Okay. So you've basically been in a year long plateau. I would say that I was on uh, a six month plateau and about six months of pits of despair. Um, Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, Christmas, uh, yeah, the day after Christmas, I, I hit my rating peak at the time of, of 18, uh, I think it was like 1815. I was like, this is great. This is fantastic. I saw my family, you know, I told them, I was like, I hit a new, I hit a new peak. This is fantastic. Uh, you know, let me, let me see if I can, um, you know, let's see, let's see how far I can go. Uh, January. Does your family, did your family love you more knowing you had gained more ELO? Yes, they did. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. They were like, we're so proud of you. Great job. Uh, how, and then they, then they ask like, where does that put you in the world? And I say, Oh, you know, like I'm in the top, like 100,000 of chess players. Yeah. But it's also like the top 0.1% or something on chess.com. Yes, absolutely. Which is, which is cool to think about like that, that exact number. Mm -hmm. Um, flash forward to January 2nd, my rating is five of 1556. So I lost almost 200 and. 70 points in the span of one week um, what yeah and and i know what you're thinking like oh wow zach went on like a blitz bender or something like that no i i have plummeted and saw and soared back up you know a couple of couple of times before i know that when you're having a bad chest day you know the best thing to do is just take a little break right yeah. if, you, if you don't feel it you don't feel it so i i set a rule that i would only play five games at a time and i would stop no matter what the result was over the course of that time, I had, you know, seven, eight hours to devote to chess a day. And I kid you not, I would just play a five round set. I would lose five games and then I would go and I would like walk the dog and then I would play a five round set and I would lose four games. And that continued for like 10 days and I hit like 1550 and it wow. was, it was disgusting. It was so terrible. And it took me from January until I think like late March to hit 1800 again okay well we gotta stop for a second here because this is this is a lot to process okay first of all what time control are we talking here i'm talking 10 0 or 15 10 wow like that's at, a lot of rapid yeah. games in a day oh my goodness okay so you managed to play just to play enough games like mm-hmm. if i lost every rapid game i played it would take me like a month to mm-hmm. lose that many rating points so you're playing a lot of chess Yep. A lot of rapid games. So let's dive in for a moment here. What has gone wrong in this period, do you think? Like, what's the issue? Were you able to isolate it at all? So here's the thing, right? Like people say, oh, when you learn a new opening, right, your rating's going to go down, right? When you yep. try a new play style, your rating's going to go down. When yep. you're when you're stressed and you're you're under like negative circumstances, your rating's going to go down. I tell you what, I was playing the same, I was playing the same openings. And I would say the first like three days, I was, I was so happy. Everything was great. Um, I would say that 
on day four, I found out that, you know, I was a close contact for COVID and that definitely stressed me out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think any more than like, you know, any other moment that I found out I was a close contact in the last two years. Is that um, like every day? Yeah. 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 Cool. Work, Future hits yeah. every day. Yeah. By the way, you had seven close contacts today. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, I, I work in higher ed. And so it's like, you know, there's, there's college students everywhere and they're yep. going to crazy wild parties with, you know, 300 people there. Yeah. It's uh, it feels like it's all the time, but um, there's just something. Yeah. I think, I think the biggest thing that I like solidified was I associated the fact that I was 1800 with like my value. And I think mm. that there was this moment where every time I lost rating, I said to myself, well, this had to be a fluke, right? Like, cause that was the first time I had hit 1800 ever. Right. I was like, well, maybe I'm not 1800, maybe I'm 1700. Yeah. Right. And then, then I, hit, you know, I hit 1700. I was like, okay. Then I hit 1600. I was like, okay, am I not, am I not 1800 anymore? Am I not, was I not even a 1700? Was this all a fluke? Because <laughs> in, I think November, I went from 1600 to 1700. And then December, I went from 17 to 1800. And so that was like two months of really intense, impressive progress. Mm-hmm. And then it was two months of really intense, impressive decline. And I really thought that, you know, maybe um, I'm just a high ceiling, low floor player, you know, maybe mm-hmm. I can play like a 1900, but if mm-hmm. I make a mistake, I'm still a 1300. Um, and I think if it was anything, you know, it was, it was nerves paired with confidence paired with sort of this like lower floor um, and just, you know, making some real bad blunders paired with that stress. Okay. Question. Did you suffer a head injury in here at all that like <laughs> you're not disclosing? No, I, I promise I, I did not. Um, okay. it, it, it got so bad. That I, I actually emailed chess.com and I said, you know, this is, this has to be an unprecedented amount of loss in, in <laughs> two months. Do you mind resetting me to 1700? Like you don't even have to put it to my max, but if you could just put it to 1700, <laughs> the person emailed me and they said, you know, I'm really sorry you're dealing with this challenging time. If you want to create a second account, that's totally fine with us. Um, but we're not going to change your rating. Please just win more. I have never, is this a joke? I've never heard of someone emailing just that count to put their rating back. <laughs> no, yeah, you're right. It's a joke. Um, okay. Because that would be amazing. Um, okay. No, no, this is a real question. Yeah. In the span where you're gaining all those rating points, mm-hmm. how many ra- rapid games a day are you playing in that period? So one thing that's important to know is that I, I was at my house by myself. My partner went away for the holidays. She took the dog with her. So okay. I, I didn't have any responsibilities. So legitimately nice. I was probably playing 40 or 50 rapid games a day. Oh my um, goodness. Yeah. Yeah. This was during so, your climb. Uh, oh no, this was during the, the fall. Um, no, no. During, so, yes. Okay. That explains yeah, things. Yes, I want to know right, about the climb. Yeah. During the climb, I would say I played, maybe 10 rapid games a day at like peak somewhere between five and 10. Okay. But at the time I was the way my schedule worked, I worked uh, 4 PM to 10 PM on the weekdays. And so I had 9 AM to 4 PM to essentially get my Mm -hmm. chores around the house done Mm -hmm. and study and play chess. So I could, I could play, you know, a bunch of games a day and not, and not necessarily worry, but but I could also study a bunch of chess. Yeah. Um, It sounds like you were mixing studying and playing. In this period of rapid loss, were you even studying or was it just fire up the next one, fire up the next one? <laughs> well, so I did. Uh, it was really important to me to not um, to not play 50 games in a row. 
right? It was important that I knew that there was like a there was a mental break in like yeah. I'm losing games. Mm-hmm. I I need to stop. I need to do something else. And so the connection there was I don't want to do more chess because that doesn't really feel like a break. So I would like, you know, go do some laundry or I would, you know, make myself a sandwich or something like that. But then I would go back to the games because I wanted to get my rating back. It just felt Uh, so unreal that I was losing so much that I don't think that there was a ton of training. I think there were several points during that like January to March climb where I would do like tactics because that rating would go up sometimes. Mm. Um, And then, you know, I would do some, some chessable coursework here and there. Um, At the time I was going through, uh grandmaster games so going through like Mm. um yeah like model games and and things like that and so i I would look over a game or two but i wasn't doing like i wasn't like drilling you know the checkmate patterns manual for example yeah i wasn't you know going through a yusupov book i was probably doing some some easy calories um in between losing a bunch of chess okay this was during your climb uh no, this is sorry. This is during that uh, the climb back. I guess that was during that like okay, January, okay. March. So period. while while you're going on this vicious drop, which yeah. sounds very self perpetuating to me, sure, it sounds totally like buy that. Yeah. it really sounds like a gambler gone, like having a really hard time, right? Like, yeah, you can play poker for sport, but you can also play poker for the like. Oh my goodness. I lost money. Yeah. I got to get it back mentality. Somebody else's sport. Yeah. Yeah. That never goes well. So that's what it totally. sounds like happened there. Mm-hmm. How did you kind of like pull out of the tailspin? Did you just hit a ratings floor where it eventually was like, I literally can't lose at this floor. Cause I'm so, I have so much more skill or did you like sit yourself down and like self intervention? You're like, went to the mirror and you're like, Zach, get it together, man. Like, what happened so- here? So the like 1800 to 1500 drop was, um, wow. Like this was, you know, it happened in like two weeks, right? Like it was, it was a pretty short period of time. So definitely, you know, gamblers, everything. And, you know, two weeks later, my partner comes back and she's like, how's your time away? And I was like, can we talk about anything that's not chess? Um, And so we just spent, you know, maybe two weeks just living our lives and all the free time Mm -hmm. that I devoted to chess, I, I put into other stuff. Um, then two weeks later I came back cause chess is great. And I said, you know, I can't, I can't play this much rapid a day. Uh, I yeah. can't like decide, like, I can't put my study on hold because I, I want to get back to a level that I might not have even been at. I have to just sort of recognize that this is, this is my rating right now. Mm-hmm. And the only way that my rating goes up is by doing better. And so I, I limited myself to five games a day, um, and I made sure that they were under optimal conditions, right? I wasn't worrying about anything. I wasn't, you know, I didn't have something, a meeting in 20 minutes, but try to squeeze in a rapid game. You know, yeah. I, I made sure that there were, all the things were right. And then I tried to just stick to the things that I liked about chess. So mm-hmm. um, I made sure that like, you know, I, I combed my repertoire a little bit. And I said, you know, maybe don't want to play this line. I don't really love this as much. Maybe there's there's a way that I can sort of reduce the variance here to just get to a comfortable position and just try to make chess fun, right? Like not, not study the the things that I didn't enjoy, but also not kid myself into believing that like, you know, four puzzle rest sessions was, was an adequate study period for the day. And yeah. I don't okay. want to say that it was a, it was a climb right back, right? right, uh, right. It took, it took some time. There were some drops here and there, but. I got yeah, we'll focus here. on your climb back in a moment. Sure. Real sure. quick on the, was there a part of you that was like, my partner's gone for two weeks. I have to cram in 
as much play as I can because this is my moment? Or was that not an issue for you? Because it sounds like you did have time to play games. Yeah, to be honest, it really wasn't an issue. Um, no. You know, f- flashback from episode one, I said my partner's great. Um, t- today, one year later, she's still fantastic. That's cool. um, I never really felt like I was, you know, competing uh, or she was competing with chess or something like okay. that. I felt well, like I had the time that I wanted to do the work that I did. I mean, I was working like, you know, somewhere between two and four hours a day on chess. Um, hmm. So there was, you know, I'm, I'm blessed in that way um, that I never yeah. really felt like I was squeezing it in, but I, I, I had the chess bug. I wanted to play chess. I will say maybe one thing that, that could have attributed to as now that I'm thinking about it, I was supposed to play my first over the board tournament that weekend. And uh-huh. because I was a close contact, I actually had to pull out of the tournament. Uh, and so if you want to talk about like mentality, I do feel like I missed a moment um, yeah. and maybe that manifested in my chest, which is a cool realization to have in real time right now for the first time that I'm thinking about that. But no, I don't really feel like I was like, oh, this is this is my chance to play more chess because I was always yeah. playing chess. Gotcha. Uh, follow up there is was there some any moment in that where you were like, you know what? Chess used to be fun when I could gain rating points. Maybe I'm going to go back to magic. Marvel snap is coming out. Maybe I'm going to pick that up. Like, what, was there any thoughts? Like it's time, it's time to go in a new direction. Like this is not working out for me. So it wasn't in that moment. I think that, that like two week plummet or, um, but, but definitely in that sort of like January to March window, I pulled mm-hmm. back from chess in a way that I hadn't in a while. And okay. I got back into magic. I, I do currently have Marvel snap downloaded on my phone it's a great game would recommend um yeah. it's like bullet I, yeah, chess only for card games yeah yeah um i bought <laughs> flesh and blood cards um, i definitely like yeah I, I got into a bunch of other things and i just tried to play chess in my own sort of way okay um, a more moderated version of chess study basically yeah yep um but i kept the like it was interesting because I, I I've always done this sort of six week model or maybe not always, but that was my sort of recent study pattern. Mm-hmm. And I didn't stop doing that. I still picked one mm-hmm. thing that I was excited about. I think part of that was why I never really backed away from chess okay. fully because there was always like, there was something interesting to learn about that sort of six week model. Um, I was doing one cool thing that, yeah, what were that you held doing? my attention. What were you doing during those six weeks? So uh, that that six weeks was Grandmaster Games, um, mostly getting that chess culture like we talked about in the first episode. Um, and then after that, I I kind of acknowledged, oh, the six weeks have gone by. I really have to focus. That was when I started thinking, you know, maybe my floor is a lot lower than I thought it was. Mm. Um, mm. And so I, I got Susan Polgar's uh, defensive technique. And um, there's a course that was endorsed by Sam Shanklin. I think it's Survive and Thrive. So both of those were based on defensive tactics. So rather than trying to find a checkmate, you were trying to save a piece or trying to, you know, stop a tactic from your opponent or bring your king to the safest square. And I found that to be like really exciting because that wasn't really something that I think is at the forefront of chess. Um, And that also, I think, built confidence, right? Like at first... There was an exercise in humility of, oh, wow, I actually am really not. I don't have this sort of danger vision that I should have. But as I started to do that, I I would look at positions where maybe before I was a little nervous about my position. I would say, no, I have a resource here. My king's actually much much more safe than it was. And I think that was was useful Um, and definitely a hole in my game that I hadn't really 
anticipated until I started working on defensive tactics. I just wrote that down for myself to get the Polgar book. I think that's a six week uh, unit I need to do as well. If I'm going to be honest with you, I did the Polgar book in three days. Three days. We have very different lives though. My so, so it's six, it's 600 variations. I, I confidently believe that you could do 50 tactics in 30 minutes. The, yeah. the thing about the thing I love about the Polgar method of chess is they give you one puzzle and you can solve that puzzle. My, my friend who is a, you know, 1000 at chess can solve that puzzle in, in 30 seconds. The second puzzle is the same puzzle, but they change one thing, right? It's not, they don't change the idea. They change the fact that the knight that was on the king side is now on the queen side. It doesn't matter to the puzzle. It's hmm. the same thing, the same idea. Okay. And then after five, they add an element. And after five more, they add another element. And it's just building on things that you already know to the point that you can move through it so quickly that I could do the Polgar puzzle book in one day. I could do the 600 defensive tactics in one day. And that was in a, a span of about two hours. Wow. So did you like woodpecker technique it or just mm -hmm. kind of like yep. that technique I, it? I, no, I did the woodpecker technique, okay. which, which in my mind was how long does it take me to finish this book? Yeah. Okay. It took me, it took me three days. I'm going to do it in a day and a half. Yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it in, you know, a three quarters of a day. I'm going to do it in half a day. I'm going to do it in two hours. That's okay. cool. Yeah. Yep. And you, so was your takeaway there then that you learned a bunch of specific resources or do you think those specific resources helped you, but then also the general mindset of learning those resources sort of seeped in as well? A and B for sure. Okay. So there's, I think it's divided into eight categories. Um, and like the first one is like, bring your king to safety. Um, the second one is, I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. The first puzzle is like the, fir the first one is run. You have to get a piece out of danger. Oh, and it could okay. just be like a pawn is attacking your knight. Move your knight to a safe square. There's one safe square for your knight. You find it. Okay. Yeah. The second one is getting out of check. You're in check. You have to find the safest square. Hmm. Protect your piece. Your piece is under attack. How do you create a way to keep that piece safe? Maybe it's a discovered attack. Maybe it's um an you know an, an offensive resource. Uh avoid checkmate, counterattack. Escape by stalemate. There are 43 puzzles on stalemates. Oh wow! Escape by perpetual check. There's 23 chap or 23 exercises on perpetual check. Uh, preventing promotion. Avoid being trapped. And then various mm. saving moves. So you could do a category in in an hour pretty easily. But but the whole, each category is teaching you a very specific way of not um, getting into danger. Um, mm. And that I I don't really think that I had that kind of toolbox or that um, sort of dictionary of, of concepts. Um, so that was really yeah. useful. Um, and then the survive and thrive book takes that to a whole nother level. That's a book that mm. could definitely, that took me the rest of the other five weeks. Um, <laughs> okay. that was, that wasn't something that I could do in one day. It was, you know, I did 10 or 20 exercises in a day. Um, and I did that for five weeks. Do you say and that I, one is on chessable? Mm -hmm, both of them are on chessable. Oh, so, nice. You know, as, listeners from the first episode might recall that I, I hadn't opened a book in quite a while. Uh, oh, yeah, that's so, right. You're yeah. a chessful guy. Yeah. Although now, I, I don't know if you saw on, on Twitter, I, I did buy a substantial number of chess books last weekend. So. Oh, wow. In one week. Oh, that's right. But you actually have lots of chess time, so maybe you'll be able to do it. Well, I'm not going to do them all in, in one week. It was kind of one of those once in a lifetime moments uh -huh. where I walked into a used bookstore. I saw uh, an eight foot tall bookshelf 
that was full of chess books. Wow. Okay. And the guy said that a grandmaster from Massachusetts just came in one day and sold his whole collection. And so I bought a complete collection of Botvinnik games, a complete collection of Smyslov games. Nice. I think like a grandmaster. So, and they were all like used books. So like if you went on new and chess, that would cost me a fortune, but it was, you know, I was getting it for pennies on the dollar. So it was, I'm surprised I only bought as many as I did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I had a a birthday and whenever I get, have a birthday, my family will be like, what, what should we get you any chess books? And I like panic. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm always like, oh, and I just throw out like famous chess books. And so like I have from three birthdays, I've gotten a pile of Augard books that I absolutely cannot use. I just have like the Augard section on my bookshelf that basically goes like this. It'd be awesome if you could get good at chess so you could use us. But until then, <laughs> just pretend we're not there. We're, we're, we're out of your range. And I'm like, all right, I'm striving. So we'll see if I ever get to do anything more than crack them and stack them. I didn't even crack some of them. I just flat out stacked them. I was like, I know, I know I'm not ready for you. It's fine. Your future. <laughs> some of the books I bought, speaking of crack and stack, had the old borders receipts still attached to them. Oh, like, wow. like the book had literally never, never been cracked. Like <laughs> it was like the sticker from borders, not Barnes and Noble. Borders. Yeah. Was wow. still in the book. I remember borders. It affects us all. Even grandmasters won't read. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess if you're a grandmaster, even more. Maybe it's like your friend's book. And you're like, fine, Jim, I bought your book. I don't need to read it. I'm a grandmaster. (laughs) That's a good point. Maybe you got an advanced copy or something. Yeah, could be. Okay, so you went to 1800. You had a just miraculous fall. You're like... Now I can't remember the dude's name. Uh, Icarus, flying too close to the sun, apparently. Your wings melted and just crashed into the ground. You slowly are working back up. You're still doing your six-week thing, but you're you're doing other stuff. Um, How did this process work? Uh, Was it like a slow comeback? Was it kind of quick? Did you have a moment where things clicked again and you just jumped 100 points? Uh, How'd this work? So, yeah, it was tricky. I think one of the things that's been sort of beautiful and terrible about the chess boom is there's just been a lot of people who have sort of shown up and decided that they want to share something with me. And so the first thing that I did in that process was I actually cleared out my Twitter follows by significant amount. And I just kind of cut through the noise. I said, you know, there's a lot of people who are talking about chess and their opinions about what I should do is not informed in me as a person. The only person who knows what I need is me or a coach. Right. Um, So did you stop following people or did you cut people out who are following you? So no. So everybody, everybody who's following me is that's, that's fine. If they wanted to respond to what I, what I had to say, that was fine. But, but like I didn't, like, I, I wasn't not read my stuff anymore. Well, I stopped, I stopped talking about chess on social media because I wasn't oh. interested in that feedback. Um, okay. And honestly, I was pretty embarrassed, you know, to talk yeah, about, wow, I just lost 250 points in like a day. Um, and I'm not getting it back. So I, I also, I like muted a bunch of people because I just didn't want to see that on my feed at the time. I've since yeah. picked several of them back up so um yeah I, i'm still listening to some some folks but i think the biggest thing was just trying to figure out why i wanted to play chess in the first place because yeah. realistically like i was so excited that i kept gaining rating it's so easy to like chess it's pretty hard to like chess when you're 
lose a grading, even when you feel yeah. like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And so for me, I was like, well, like, this is how I want to play chess. These are the moves that I want to make. This is the style I want to emulate. You know, I'm just going to focus on that. I'm going to try and find out other people who want to do that. So um started following Ono, uh, Ono Chess, because mm. we're, uh, we're fellow slow chess players. or boring chess. I think that's a hashtag. Whatever the opposite of Team Slay is, that's us. Um, and that was that was nice to, you know, find some people who are interested in playing a slow, grueling endgame or, you know, passing um, a pawn-up advantage. So here's what we need to do. I need to join your team. We'll <laughs> challenge Team Slay to a match. Our goal will be to bore them to tears, and eventually we'll win that way. Or they'll yeah. just mate us in six moves out of nowhere. We'll be like, wow. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, all right, Megan, you got, you heard it. The challenge is out because we can do this online. I think, I think we can make this happen. A three-person team. I guess Megan has Daniel Lona on her team. I'm not sure who else is uh, part of Team Slay, but yeah, this is, this is a great idea. I like this yeah, a lot. Team Slow Chess. There are literally dozens of us. <laughs> okay. Um, it's this kind of fascinating, this whole idea of like, you're not even talking about it much on Twitter anymore. Is this, is this a lot just to gain space or is it mostly embarrassment or is it just both? So um, I'm going to, I'm, I think it's really, I've really been able to figure out why I did it because of the over the board tournaments I've been playing in. If you don't mind me jumping ahead a little bit, I, uh, I think Wait. something I really dislike. Jump ahead. Sure. I want to ask this question. And, and I yeah. think this is an important point. Mm -hmm. I think for everyone to answer the question of why, you're trying to get better at chess is so important. And when you were talking about that, if your why is because it's easy to get ELO, you are screwed, right? Mm -hmm. If you're listening right now and you're like, you know, why I love chess. I just stack up the ELO points. It feels great. You're going to hit a wall. You might even be like Zach and fall off of a cliff and die and have to be reborn like a Phoenix out of the ashes. Um, I'm going to make a quick admission here that I haven't made yet my over the board rating has been going up a lot recently and i've been very excited about it but at the same time my rapid rating has taken a crash on chess.com i hit my high of 1717 on august 20th and it passed my over the board and i was like all right my over the board right now is 1717 my chess.com rapid has dropped all the way to 1636 with my loss last night like, I don't know what the difference, what's going on, but you, people always say your over the board rating is lower than your rapid. No, not for me. My rapid is just crashing. And it's not like you, Zach, because I can't play 100 games a day. I get like <laughs> two a week and I lose every single one. And it's so freaking annoying. All right, Zach, I'm sorry to interrupt what you were about no, to say for that. Totally fine. I appreciate the admission. Um, I think that the thing that I really dislike about going to over the board tournaments um, is that I have a rating attached to my identity. Uh, um, so one fun fact is I, I started playing over the board and the first tournament I played, uh, I went up to the pairings board for round one and my opponent was in front of me. And uh, he said, <laughs> oh good, I get to play a 700. Yeah. And I said, hi, my name is Zach. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> Uh, and I wanted, I've never wanted to beat someone so bad in my life, Kevin. I've never, <laughs> I, I wanted to embarrass that human being. Yeah. And I've never, 
I played so well in that tournament because I Ooh. wanted to prove that person wrong. Okay. And I just dislike so much that like my name is attached to something that I'm not proud of. Yeah. Um, that I just the improver mindset of like always getting better. I associated with like I'm getting better, so people will like me more. People will trust me more. People will like uh, the things yeah. that I post, and that that was really hard to reckon with. So I said, you know, I can't post this right now because all I want is somebody to say like, you know, that that's okay. Like I know you're really an 1800, or I know mm -hmm. you're really this. And yeah. as I work to like bring back the like very very sad youth uh zach scholastic rating that i have into something that is comparable to what my online ratings are um it's really hard to be doing analysis with my opponents and have their friend go by and say we're gonna go get food like why are you why are you analyzing with that person or yeah. why are you, you know why are you doing this thing that you know what can that person teach you um it's it's, it's it feels very reductive um yeah. And I just didn't want a Twitter space that I was going to like when I was not focusing on working hard that was reductive. Um, so I think that's mostly why. I hadn't really thought about that, that that 700 rating that you carried from your childhood, how negative that could feel at a tournament. Because oftentimes when you have a 700 rating, you're playing against other people in the under 1000 and you all have ratings in that ballpark and people aren't super negative about it. Were you playing up a section or two? Yeah. So the first tournament I went to, I, um, there were, there were going to be three sections. There was an open an under 1700 and an under 1300. Oh. Um, and I said, you know, I, I don't really want to play in the under 1300. I'd like to play in the under 17. And sure. they said, actually, um, not enough people showed up and we're only going to have two sections. We're going to have the U 1300 and we're going to have the open. And I, looked at the tournament director and I said, I'd really like to play in the open. And he said, are you sure? I think that you would be much better suited in the under 1300. You know, this all happened in the Queens gambit. Are you just yep. lying and saying, no, I'm not. I promise you, you can, you can go to the Bennington chess club and you can ask that director what he said to me. And he, and I said, no, I'd really like to play the open. And he said, no, you know, there's going to be two masters here. You know, it's, it's going to be pretty intense. One of them is Beltic. He's super good. And, and you know, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll think about it. Okay. And I, I posted on, on, you know, my chess group and I said, you know, what should I do? And they said, are you stupid? Play the open. Nice. <laughs> like, and it was great. I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to play the open. And the first round I played against that 1800 and I beat him. And the, and the organizer came up to me and he said, it's a good thing you played the open. And I nice. was like, hell yeah. Was it right I'm so the glad open. the organizer didn't come up to me and be like, we need to search you very carefully. <laughs> You know, I think it is It is really like, I mean, you, you know this, playing competitive card games, the way that like sort of the grinder mentality is in tournament halls, right? There are the people you want to spend time with and then and then there's the people you pub stomp. And I really felt that at the local chess yeah. level that there are people who get there yeah. and they go there because they know that they're very good at chess and they're going to be admired by people. Then there are people who show up and, and they're not taken as seriously or treated as well you know i i was talking about my 700 rating that i'm not very proud of but for some people that is very impressive mm -hmm. um and and it's so nice to like talk to people as people rather than numbers that i would you know i would encourage somebody who comes up to you to not consider what is this person's rating before you talk to them yeah um, yeah that's, that's one of the things i like best about our chess club is that at least for me personally, I don't feel that way. I'm very much like I talk to everybody. 
Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of kids there. Who even knows what their ratings mean, right? Like whatever. They're like this one kid is the first time we played his rating was like I don't know a thousand, and now two months later he's fifteen hundred. I'm like, yeah, I mean you play you you've played like a fifteen hundred this whole time. Like when we played the first time, it felt really unfair that. I was playing clearly someone rated fifteen hundred who had this wrong right. rating uh, next yep. to their name. I did have a funny opposite side of that. Like I'm used to thinking like I'm not good at chess. And this last week, I sat down and played against this guy, and I played him once before, and we had a decent game, and I was able to win. And I sat down, and he goes, "You're really good, huh?" And I was like, "Ah, uh, not really." Like, I'm not not really sure what your scale is, but according to my scale, I'm pretty bad. And he was like, no, I mean, you're like 1,500 rating. I was like, well, I mean, I'm 1,700 now, but yeah. And he goes, oh, so you're really good. (laughs) And he's like, oh, psyched out about our game. I'm like, really? I inspire fear in people? What kind of world are we in? Oh, it was weird. And then I beat him. And at the end, he was just like, I am just so proud of myself that I lasted that long against you. And I was like, <laughs> this world is very strange. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, okay, so you had this potentially bad experience at the OTB event, but then you won. So did it end up being a good experience overall? And it just had that one sour moment? Or or how did it feel? I got to say, it's, it's really a mixed bag. I think... I've had some of the highest highs that I've ever had in chess over the board. And I, I also really feel like I have I have some pretty, pretty low lows. And I, I've only played in two tournaments. So my sample size, you know, since since I graduated from high school, I've only played two tournaments. No. tournaments. So my sample size is not enormous. But in both tournaments, I, I experienced very similar things where until I was able to demonstrate something that made some of the players recognize that I was worthy of carrying conversation with there was there was a feeling that that i was not somebody who was worth their time which is really hard for me to get over Hmm. um and it makes it makes me feel a lot worse when i lose a game or i i make a mistake that i i know that i wouldn't normally make um you know in the last episode we talked about sort of my anxieties around the over the board rating um, and playing sort of the online USCF events and that discrepancy there, you know, part of that is a me thing um, and stuff that I have to work through. But but it's definitely, I mean, it's it's still there. And I feel like I'm proud of myself for going to over the board tournaments and like playing chess that way. But it's definitely, there's a discrepancy there where the games feel like they don't just have rating stakes, but they sort of have social stakes. You know, if I go to the same tournaments locally, I'm going to see some of the same people and I think, you know, what is this person going to think of me if I, you know, they find out that I like blundered that or I made this mistake or I couldn't convert this this ending. Um, that's just, that's a dumb way for me to be spending my, my, my thought process and my mental energy much better to calculate a good line. But um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's tricky. And uh, having conquered my chess.com demons, uh, it's definitely safer to sit down at my computer and, and play a rapid game where I know, you know, there's, there's no way I can go any lower than where I've been before. What's the worst I happen if I lose one game? At least I didn't lose 120, you know? Uh, that's <laughs> so interesting to me because I've never heard anyone focus in sort of in on the social thing. I've heard things like, 
you know, it's really hard. Like you drove all this way and making a blunder is just hard to deal with because you've invested so much of yourself and your time. I haven't really thought about it from that perspective of there's also the social status kind of piece of it. And it's kind of given me flashbacks to when I first started playing and how frustrating it was. I was rated, you know, like a thousand. And there was these guys at the club that were rated like 1400 and they were complete a-holes to me because I was quote, so low rated. And I was like, what are you talking about? You're not good either. Like you're just slightly better than me. And really I'm too low rated. And it would be like, to the point of like, let's get lunch. And I'd be like, Oh, cool. And they'd be like, Oh, I'm sorry. Like, we're going to be talking chess and you would be lost. So like, yeah. I'm not invited. And I was like, I'm not invited to lunch because my rating is too low. What are you I'm even serious. talking about? Yeah. I think Neil Bruce mentioned some story where like he went to the chess club with his friends and then he reached a certain rating and his friends were like, why are you still talking to me? Or like, like not, maybe not his friends, but like people that he talked yeah. to in the club who are still at the same rating when he sort of ascended, they were like, well, you get to go sit at the cool kids table now. And that's just like, it's so, it's yeah. so interesting and it's it's hard for me personally to contrast sort of this improver mindset with uh the like the sort of desire to grow the game or to like expand sort of the social elements of chess that i think you know are in jeopardy of, of disappearing on a on a level that um is concerning you know um they always say online chess takes away a lot of the sort of local clubs and that has me wondering, you know, what 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 are my doing to maintain a local club that people want to go into and, and want to improve in rather than just come as their best self, uh, you know, they're yeah. at their at their peak. I really try to embody that like ambassador quality at my club. Like I'm never rude to someone lower rated than me, and maybe it's just because I've experienced that, and so I have that visceral memory of like jerky fourteen hundreds. And I don't want to be the guy who's like, I'm 1700 and puffing out my chest and like, you're only 1200 to some kid. And then like three months later than me, he's like, I'm 2000 now. I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. My bad. Um, yeah. I just, I, I think it's important, like you said, to, to kind of keep, keep the social aspect of chess positive so that people don't just be like, well, I could just play on my computer. Why am I messing around here? Like, this is, this is a waste of my time. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is you sort of hinted that you'd had some um, tough times. You didn't tell me the whole story, which I'm so happy about. It. So uh, <laughs> horrible and cool to hear it live for the first time. Uh, but one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is because I thought we were both playing in tournaments this weekend. So I'd like to start with my tournament, if you don't mind. Go um, ahead, it it's your show. Like this, I got a hotel reservation i was very excited and then i got sick like three weeks ago just regular sick not covid sick you know i don't know if you're aware of this people actually get regular sick and i just have kind of had a hard time shaking it i've had a lot of stress with with work um and then just out of nowhere my eldest child's soccer team has been very good all season, but they're older. It's an AYSO team. And I just thought they weren't going to have playoffs. And they're like, oh, by the way, this weekend, Saturday and Sunday's playoffs. And it was like, wait, what? And so it's just like all these factors are coming together. And my family's like, I think it'll be fine if you miss everything. And then the time was like, oh, actually, you would have to skip both of your rounds on Sunday. 
So you could drive several hours on Friday to play a game exhausted and sick and then play two games on Saturday, be stressed that you're missing all these important things and then have to miss Sunday. And it just got to a point where I was like, this is just ridiculous. Why am I even considering this? So basically, Zach, what happened is being an adult crashed all of my own personal hopes and dreams. Now, by the way, I had scheduled this event like two and a half months ago. I got this hotel and was like, okay, this is the moment. And then life was like, no, nah, Kevin, keep dreaming. You're like, you don't, you don't get to do things like that. So that was my tournament. I went zero out of zero and was very unhappy. Gotcha. That's that does. Yeah, it's um, it's funny how life gets in the way of what you want life to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think you made the right decision, all things considered. So I'm I think excited so too. for your next tournament because my child's be- team also were the champions. Yes. So awesome. they want they are the champions of the South Bay of the LA area and next weekend they will see if they can be like the south the whole like southern california champions That's they might win they are really ridiculously good well i'm rooting for them I'm, okay i'm good. not going to skip my chess tournament for it but i'm, I'm rooting for them <laughs> maybe maybe chess attorneys will sponsor the tournament here's 50 dollars <laughs> put our name on something yeah All no right, I, I think so it was a First question is did life get in the way or did you get to go was this your second ever chess tournament so no, life did not get in the way. I got to okay, I got to play my second chess tournament. It was awesome. Um, made an agreement with my partner. I was like, hey, so you know, I've I've got Sunday, you've got Saturday. What are we doing? Saturday, she got to she got to make all the plans and she took me to a used bookstore where I found 12 chess books that I now own. Wow. And, and Sunday, she said, Yeah, well, you let me, you know, go to some yarn stores, drink some good coffee, treat me to a nice dinner. You can you can go play your chess. Nice. So I, I did. Yeah, I drove to the I drove to the venue. I was the first person to get there, so I helped the organizer put the tables on the boards. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, it was God. adorable. Um, and I played my first round against somebody who didn't know what notation was. Oh. Um, and and didn't know how chess clocks work, and uh, blundered a piece on move seven. Mm. Um, and we talked every round after that, and I was so happy that you know he. He wasn't petrified of talking to me because he's really a cool kid. Um, nice. I, I won that game. I didn't. I didn't lose the game where I, I got a free piece on move seven. That's good. Um, That's good. And then I played a seventeen hundred in round two, and I got a dominating position out of the opening, and I was really happy with my play. But I spent a lot of time on my clock, and I ended up giving my opponent some counterplay. I traded into a better ending, but I, I grabbed a pawn, which helped my opponent get a tempo, activate the rook, mm. and I ended up I ended up losing, um, which mm-hmm. is pretty frustrating. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, I, I went over the game today, and it was it was good to analyze, and I was really impressed with sort of how I played the opening. So, you know, good thing and thing to improve on. Um, then I played another seventeen hundred in round three, and I I got a reasonable position in the opening. Um, I, th- I think I had some winning chances and I, I wasn't able to capitalize them on them. And so we ended up drawing in an opposite color yeah. bishop ending. Um, and then in round four, I, I played against a 1900. Ooh, um, wow. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like I, I've been yeah. unrated. I, I lost to a 1700. I drew a 1700. How are you going to give me a 1900? And I put the game in the engine uh, today and I had a 14 average center upon loss. Wow. Uh, and I ended up winning the game, which was 
in, incredible. I was so I was so happy. Um, yeah, I, I made three inaccuracies, no blunders, um, and I won in thirty one moves um, with only using about half my clock. And my opponent had seven minutes on their clock when the game ended. And it wasn't like I found like a flashy tactic or something. Like it was just this like yeah. crushing positional destruction. Team slow chess. Yeah, in my in my favorite opening, the the D five Trumpowski. I was I was like, it was okay. beautiful. I got I got this nice Catalan bishop. Um, right. where I just like sawed through the whole diagonal. I traded off my knight for, or my bishop for their knight, and then I put all my pawns on dark squares. The the bishop couldn't couldn't do anything. Um, had a nice queen side attack. My opponent had counterplay, but um, the eighteen hundred I beat in my first tournament. Um, when I went to analyze the game, I realized there was a there was a pawn move that I'm supposed to make in order to sort of limit counterplay, mm. and I was able to make that pawn move based on the analysis that I provided. And my opponent had nothing at any point in the game. Um, it felt wow. it was awesome. <laughs> it made me so happy. Yeah. What was your rating going into that game? Like, what was your published rating that that nineteen hundred was able to see on this <laughs> on the score sheet? Seven fifty one. Were they after the game? Like, what is even happening right now? So uh, somebody did look me up in round two because they <laughs> saw my they saw the position that I had against the first yeah. seventeen hundred. And he found out that I had had, I have two accounts because the first account that I made, um, I, I couldn't find my account. Mm. Um, and so I had put it in and that was how I did all of my online games, um, over the pandemic yeah. and, and my online rating was 1400. Oh. Um, but then in, in advance of the tournament, I merged my accounts. I called USCF and I said, Hey, you know, I found this other account that my coach made for me in high school. I don't have the email address mm. or the password for it. Could yeah. you combine them? But they didn't get around to doing that by the time that the pairings were. So the, the rating on the thing was 751, <laughs> even though my performance rating in my first tournament was 1460. And so, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so some people got some things clarified. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I would just, I, I could just imagine the 1900, like if you're a 1900 and a 750 meet, beats you because they found a cool tactic or you made a big blunder, you're like, okay, like, this is unlikely, but it's infinitely more unlikely that they just play a beautiful 50 move game and slowly choke you to death. Like mm -hmm. 700 players usually can't do that. So right. that must have been yeah. a, a lot for that poor 1900. They're like, have I lost it? Yeah, Am I think I it's bold of you to assume that the 1900 spoke to me after that game. Uh, uh, he, he absolutely stormed out of the venue and never did not speak to me. <laughs> I, I, I saw his car peel out of the parking lot. Um, he did not speak to me. <laughs> yeah, that happened to me once when I beat the only FM I've beaten. Similar, similar thing yeah. happened. It was just simply, we went to the we went to to thing to to fill the one and zero out. He just pointed at me and he goes, "This is you." And I was like, oh, no. Yeah, and he's like. <laughs> You are kidding. And he turned around and walked out. I was like, all right. Like, I get it. I was like 1600 and he's an FM. Like, I can understand his frustration, especially since he resigned in a middle game where he was just down a piece. I was like, right. You might have been able to spot a piece and beat me, like, let alone save that position. Yeah. So, <laughs> interesting stuff. Okay. So it sounds like. You had a pretty good tournament then. What was, what, let's see, if we do the math on that, it's like, what, two and a half out of four? Two and a half out of four. Yep. What's I, the uh, performance rating there? Like eighteen hundred or something? I'm not really sure. Yeah, I mean, mm. drew a seventeen hundred, 
lost to a 1700, beat a 1900, beat an unrated. Um, so mm. yeah, probably 1800, but I'm, I don't impressive. really know how that math works. I, I, I don't either. Somebody else. But oh. what I will say is like, I probably wouldn't have beaten that 1900 mm. if I didn't lose to that 1700. Gotcha. Um, and I think like, I, I was one of the biggest skeptics about over the board chess, but <laughs> I will say that it really feels like a coaching session, those tournaments. If you, you know, you could, you get to learn a lot of lessons really slowly in those yeah. over the board tournaments that like you are a better player every single game you play um, if, yep. if you're really able to spend some time thinking about it. And so like, you know, it, it was so nice to be disappointed in my loss to the 1700, but know that it led to a better, more, more impressive victory if you're just going by the ratings. So. What, um, what time control is this? So it's G60. Um, yeah. So, you know, not, not slow chess. I've played four rounds in one day. The only That's way a long day. G60, but yeah, it's, uh, it's fun. I, knowing that I was going to go to the first tournament, I, I prepared a lot. I actually, um, mm. I took a day off of work um, so nice. that I could play four G60 games on Lee Chess ah, um, to prepare myself for the, the tournament. And, you know, yeah. I do the thing that they say where you're supposed to play your games, you know, that, that month leading up to it, I played all my games, three dimensions, um, like mm. played the two dimensional game, but, um, you know, would make my moves on a real board. And I did my calculation puzzles on a real board sort of preparation. The second tournament, I was like, yeah, you know, well, I'll do my best. I got yeah. life got in the way. Um, sure. But yeah. All right. That's, re that's really interesting. So when you played your games, like on Lee Chess, you would translate the, the, the moves to the board. Yep. Yeah. I uh, had the, like the computer there. Um, and then I would just look at the board the whole time, but I had the sounds all the way up. So when my opponent made a move, I would know gotcha. um, to like go to look at have you thought about getting a DGT board or are you just not independently wealthy enough to afford one? Well, those of you who have been paying attention to the podcast will know that I just recently bought 12 chess books um, in, mm. in one weekend. And so maybe the next time I get my grown-up allowance, I'll think about a DGT board. But for now, I'm paying off a, a debt of, of chess books. But yeah, no, I think that that would be really, I have thought about a DGT board specifically for like opening preparation and like mm. being able to sort of like catalog, like these are my variations. Yeah. Um, and like just sort of getting that muscle memory. I know that there's like a, there's a smart chess board that you can sync up. Um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of like using my old wooden board. It's, it's pretty, yeah. you know, it's, it, I like how the pieces feel. <laughs> right. I've got a couple competing things there, right? Like I just had a birthday and I was like, should I ask for a DGT board? But the problem is it feels like the DGT board I would want would be like $1,500. Cause I would want like, a beautiful set like i plan right now um and that is just absurd like why yeah. i don't need a 1500 i don't even need a 100 dgt board so <laughs> it's it's just like it feels like just such a luxury item that you know like when you're a high school teacher that just feels like quite a bit of overkill yeah <laughs> diy dgt yeah there we go there we go so i don't know i, I do like the idea of playing them actually over over the board though i don't for, for whatever reason i haven't done that yet i think it's just i'm a little bit worried i'll get in some sort of time crunch and then i'll be like i'll i'll have to play online and then that transition my brain will mm -hmm. not be able to make and it'll just be a mess so that's fair i will say like the games that i'm playing over the board you know they're normally like mm -hmm. um 30 with a 30 second increment and so like mm -hmm. The 30 seconds to transition from a to b especially because i'm not writing down notation not writing oh, down fair. the time it took from move to move you, yeah. you kind of get to do and like i'm looking at the board the 
you know, like I know what my opponent's candidate moves are. I've, I've done my calculation. I'm not taking a break because normally that's my one game for the day rather than knowing I have to okay. save some brain power for the other three. Um, yeah. Not taking off every other day. Of work. Rather than playing 17 rapid games in a day and losing. <laughs> all. I think I really hope I don't live to regret being <laughs> saying that on in, in living color on the internet. I think it's the most human thing I've ever heard on this podcast. Like I know <laughs> other people have had that. Like normally though, it's like bullet, right? Because not many yeah. people have the time to be able to, to lose that many games. Right. right? So, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. I guess my next question is, uh, what are you doing with these in-person games? Are you really like diligently going over them all and like taking them to a coach and then looking at them with an engine? Or are you just kind of like popping them in, in an engine right away? What's your process like? Sure. So I'm not, I'm not going to lie and say I'm like, you know, doing 60 pages of Jesse cry analysis okay. on my games. Um, I, I kind of like have this like spectrum of analysis. So I analyze all of my games. Um, if I play a blitz game, I, I learn one thing. I like, get to the first moment. I say, this is a lesson. I write that lesson down and I'm done analyzing it. I literally don't look at anything, anything else other than like, and then I put it through the computer and figure out what's going on. A rapid game. I, I check opening middle game end game, and then I'm done. Right. Um, so opening, like where's, where did I run out of theory middle game? You know, did did I miss any any tactics? End game. Um, when did I move from winning to drawing, drawing to losing, or losing? You know, or the other way up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then these the the Lee chess games. I will I will look at, um, and and I will actually try and make an evaluation of the position. Um, the like standard like um, white is winning to black is winning scale. Um, okay. Every five moves, um, oh. or any like adjustment so like if Mm -hmm. a pawn if the the pawn structure changes i will change the evaluation if the if Mm -hmm. a piece gets exchanged i'll write down the evaluation um and just trying to get a feel of like how do i feel about this and then compare that to the engine yeah Um, and so these over the board games is everything combined so i take i take the opening and i say like what what game what with this game what is the closest game in my sort of model and anchor game repertoires mm. to this game? What what was the plan that that person implemented, and what was the backup plan that I have in my other model game? Were either of these plans usable in this middle game? When I get to the pawn structure, what pawn structure is this associated with? Is this familiar with any other openings I've played, like mm. and and that sort of thing? And then again, doing those evaluations, um, I think I do it like every every three moves rather than every five. Um, I don't really have like a, a real like system to it or whatever. And then the endings, I will actually look and see if it's attributed to like a theoretical ending in a book. Um, okay. And if I didn't, if I didn't convert, then I, I, I play through that. Um, I, I think, Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to ask you if um, when you're doing your evaluations, are you doing, this is the evaluation I had during the game. And then now mm-hmm. looking at it now, this is where I'm at. Do you have like that, <laughs> that, that dual level going on there? So, over the board games are are a unique beast because I can't write notation at, or I can't write anything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not gonna lie, I've I've circled moves um, while I've played my games because I know I want to go back to them um, and think about it. Um, that is illegal, friend. <laughs> let me let me give you the secret sauce of what you do. What I do is any move like that, I note the time because I don't mm. normally note the time. 
And so if you I didn't, do, yeah. what you do mm -hmm. is you just note the time in bigger numbers. Right. Yeah. Instead of just the minute, I write the minute and the second. Yes, oh, exactly. That's smart. Yes, that's perfect. Yeah. So and you don't have I to do cheat, that. but you yeah. can still do it. And then, and then after the game, I write down sort of my thoughts that I remember. Yeah. Um, like next to the notation, if I was comparing two moves, I will write in the margin the other candidate move I was thinking about. Nice. If I was afraid of a threat my opponent was going to present and they didn't play it, I write down my opponent's threat. Yeah. And then I go home and I I work on it. Okay. Um And and I try to spend, I don't know, I I think maybe I spend like an hour on my on my G60 over the board games. I don't like I'm not I'm not going crazy. That's on, quite a bit. Depth, yeah. but yeah, I, I've I've really enjoyed looking at chess games more than i did a year ago um okay. i think before i just was so nervous that i didn't really understand something that i felt kind of like a fraud felt mm. a lot like when i was in grad school and i was writing a paper on someone who was so much smarter than me i was just like i'm not i'm not worthy of like being involved in this academic conversation and now i'm like <laughs> it's so good that i'm not worthy of being in this academic conversation because i'm going to learn <clears throat> so much by being able to point out all the things that i didn't get yeah. And I'll say that, like, you know, we talked about, and a year ago, we talked about evaluation as, like, a thing that people don't do. Mm -hmm. uh, I I love it. It makes my evaluation, it makes, like, my analysis so much more enjoyable because mm -hmm. I, I, I don't have to kid myself into having absolute truth. Figuring out that I was wrong is so much more valuable to, like, being able to assess what's happening um, in, like, a game and getting a sense of, like, well, I can't feel that I'm better, but I know that I'm better, and I also know what it feels like to not be better so i know mm. my opponent might have that conception that i'm better in this position yeah. and that might that might psychologically be enough to really be able to push things like i know my 1900 opponent knew he was worse yeah. I, I could hear it i could hear the huffing and the sighing and this like <laughs> exasperation they, he knew i knew that i was only plus one for yeah. a vast majority of the game but he he knew that there wasn't stuff he could do um, also this whole time he's going all right, Mr. 700, where's your blunder? Where's your blunder? Let's go. Yep. Give me the piece. And you're like, no, <laughs> nope, not giving you a piece. Yeah, that's hard. He, I bet he hung around as long as possible, just waiting for the blunder. Yeah, no, I mean, and he definitely, there was a moment in the game where he like, I don't want to say like, you know, uh, like a weak or a cheap threat, but there was, there was a move that he made where he spent three or four Tempe trying to set up a checkmate. And I don't know if he thought, oh, this guy's 700. He's not going to see it. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, he didn't check it. So. I mean, he might have been thinking, like, I don't know what's going on. I don't have anything. So yeah. I got I to try to set something up. And this yeah. person is low rated. So maybe I can swindle them. Right. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with evaluation. Um, it's something that I, I struggle with it so much. I've just kind of, like, not done it because it's so it's so unsatisfying to just continually be like, wow, I'm bad at evaluation. So, but I really mm -hmm. like this idea. I think what I'm going to start doing is after the game, as I'm putting it in as much as possible, noting when I thought there was a strong evaluation either way or when a big change happened. And then when I go back and do my actual analysis, questioning those moments, I think that'll be a good way for me to get into analysis. I've been, I've been doing, um, of uh, evaluate like a grandmaster, the new Pearlstein Solon book. Loving so it good. so far. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. And yeah. I'll also say that the Horton Yance book that we talked about in the first interview is also great for that. The what book? The, the Horton Yance Best oh, Move yeah. book. Yeah. You know, I, 
being able to go through that with evaluations was really helpful because I, I, I went through the first like 30 or 40 questions and mm -hmm. I was not, not doing particularly well. And I said, you know, yeah. if I just keep putting zeros next to this, this is going to be very unsatisfactory. And so yeah. what I tried to do is I looked at the position for 15 minutes and then I wrote everything that I know or thought I knew about that position. And I said, this is, this is what I think I know. This is what I think is important. I'm going right. to write that down and I'm going to put an evaluation next to it. Okay. And then the chapter says, this is a move. Did you get it? And I said, well, it's more complicated than that. Right. Yeah. Which is, you know, maybe me again, making excuses for that, but you know, it was nice to go through that book in that way. And the, the Peril Shine uh, Solon book is, oh my gosh, it's a masterpiece. And it's so introductory. Like it is not, yeah. it is anybody could do that book. And every, anybody is going to learn something from that book because the descriptions in the back that say, this is important and this is what you need to know, you are going to get 200 positions that you understand in chess if you actually go through that that says, you know, in this position, this is the key factor. You need to be thinking about this and this is your evaluation. It reminds me of like the Lev Albert uh, 300, you know, positional um, like pieces or the Ray Chang 600 positional exercises where they take like a theme or a concept that's like thematic and they say, you know, this is a thing that you need to know about. It feels like the the Solon, um, yeah, the the evaluate like a grandmaster book does a great job of that. And the price point is so low for what what you're getting yeah. out of it. Price point's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I think what I've liked most is what you're saying. Like the Horton Yanza book, they say you want to get like sixty percent of the puzzles right to make it worthwhile <laughs> for you. I'm more like four percent. Yeah, yeah. I feel Solidarity. like evaluate like a grandmaster at least for this beginning section that i'm in i have a really good handle on every one of the puzzles and even if my evaluation is wrong it's often wrong in the right ballpark right where I'll right. Be like, oh i did see that piece that you're talking about but i thought black had this move mm -hmm. that actually sort of negated that and i like right. i'm so sure i put him in the engine and the engine's like no what if they do this and i'm like damn Okay, so I had the right idea. It's just I missed the reputation to the move mm -hmm. that I thought, you know, impacted this idea. So I've I've really, yeah. really enjoyed that book so far. I can't recommend it enough. My uh, my I love the scoring method in the best move where they said mm -hmm. this this is worth this number of points, and so I tried to adopt that for the uh, evaluate book where I give myself uh, an X, um, an X plus a check minus, a check, or a check plus. If I get everything right that they say, I give myself a check plus. If I hmm. get the idea, but I don't get the move, or I get the evaluation slightly wrong, like maybe I think white is is better, yeah. but white is slightly better, I'll give myself a check. Um, if I if I don't get everything, like if if I saw something, but I didn't get it right, or I overvalued like you know a, a, a piece versus a pawn push, I'll give myself a check minus because hmm. I got it wrong. And then if I just completely get it wrong, I'll give myself an X. Or if yeah, I just but, like what I did, sometimes I'll give myself an X plus for, you know, ooh. for good brain chemicals. My my problem with the Horton Yanza book is while while I agree, I like the way they do the scoring, the numbers are hilarious. They'll just be yeah. like, this one is randomly worth eight points. And you're like, what? And then I'm like, I finally got one. They're like, you get one point because this one was too easy. And I'm like, come on, guys. I've missed a million. Give me two points at least. Yeah, I love the the love the getting the points thing. It just feels like retro chessable. Like I love the yeah. the Yusupov scoring system at the tests where it's like you get one point if you saw this line, you get two points if you saw this line, you get three points if you saw that, and the tactical reputation. Like that's yeah, that's 
It's good gamification. This is what I hate about the use pop book, though. They're like, by the way, <laughs> if you didn't get this many points, you suck and you should do the chapter over. And I'm like, come on, man. I spent a long time on this. I just messed up two problems. Take it easy on me. And he's like, no, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, speaking of that, did you make it through all three of the Orange Yusupov books? I was checking my notes and it looked like last time you were working on them. Did we make it through or did we give up at some point? So I did the first two because they're the ones that are unchessable. That's right. That's what I don't I don't have the heart to to buy them. Although in preparation for this interview, I promise you that I have like all of the Yusupov books sitting in my cart right now. And if, and if the conclusion that I got of this podcast was exact a year ago, I told you you have to read the Yusupov books. So you mid 2000, you could have spent this year reading all the use of pop. If you said that to me, they're, they're getting shipped to my house before the interview's over. Okay. Check this out. I was talking to my coach the other day and I was like, Hey man, should I just do the use of pop books? Like, he's like, why? Like, because you get to 2000 if you do them all. And he's like, that's called marketing. (laughs) And I was like, Uh. Oh, okay. And he's like, really? Like, what if I said, uh, if you read my book, you'd get to 2,000 when you buy it? <laughs> I was like, okay, that's, that's a good point. I'm like, he is a world-famous trainer, though. And he's like, so? So I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. I was like, okay, I guess I'll just keep doing my doing it my way, which is like... It's great. Your coach just saved me hundreds of dollars. Yeah, my coach Thank is Thank you, Kevin's coach. You gotta so I, I guess let's 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 end here. Sure. Have you had any coaching? Did you were you tempted to get coaching when you were losing like eight million um, rating points? So I I did get a coach um, okay. at one point. I got a coach actually um, from eighteen hundred, like from that seventeen to eighteen hundred thing. I actually started getting a coach. Okay. Um, and then I stopped coaching when I hit my when I when I dropped my rating. Uh, I know how like how strange that sounds um but really it is just sort of this like i am i'm ashamed to like put these put these things out there i just don't really want to do that. and i also think that like the, the investment level of i am going to have a coach to do this thing you know whether it's financial whether it's time like mm-hmm. the planning to like schedule a lesson was like not not insignificant yeah um that's my hard, life hard. is like is was pretty pretty well suited to study chess for three or four hours my life was very ill-suited to receive a consistent one-hour lecture time um and so it just it didn't it didn't work for me the way that I wanted it to I I don't think coaching is bad I don't think that I had a negative experience I I think my coach was actually incredible and I wish I could have gotten you know half the value out of it that that I probably should have gotten um but right now for me like coaching is trying to find like sort of a chess hero try to find somebody who I want to like emulate and sort of learning through that in my analysis. Um, I had this like really serious thought process of like, well, I really want to be like this person because they play quiet chess. I love the like sort of soft, simple nature of their chess. And then I went through the annotated game collection and like, actually this person's like a tactical genius. Actually, this person's like really aggressive. Actually, huh. this person plays the Karakan and none of their king side pawns uh, are in front of their king at the end of this attack. And I realized like that Perugia like or something? No, Capablanca. <laughs> uh, he he has like these like there's some really serious, you know, Karpov, Korchnoi, Capablanca, Petrosian games where they're pushing the pawns in front of their king for a decisive attack, but they're able to notice that. And 
you know, that's, that's great learning for me. Um, I think the other thing that I've done rather than like formal coaching is sort of like mentorship. I, I had a chance mm. to join this, um, this book club um, where we went through Silman's reassess your chess mm. and towards the end of the book, we all kind of realized we're not getting what we wanted out of this, but we were getting a lot out of each other. And I really like that sort of like communal discussion. Like I'll post my games or tactical puzzles or, or problems in that group. And it's all ratings. I mean, I think we have somebody who's 1300, we have somebody who's 2200 and we're, we're all just sort of talking about stuff and we all have our, you know, areas of expertise. There's somebody who knows more opening theory than like, you know, I, I even imagined was out there. There's somebody who plays the fried liver every game and has, you know, the most beautiful tactical eye that I've ever seen. There's somebody who plays incredibly principled. There's somebody who knows every Sicilian. It's, yeah. it's fun to just sort of like hear all of these different feedback loops. And that I think gives me enough to sort of work on um, that I like haven't really prioritized coaching in the okay. way that maybe I, I will. Um, I think I'm at this point though, where I think I'm almost ready to go back because uh, what I spent the last six weeks on was building anchor games for my whole repertoire. Oh, so awesome. every, every opening that I play, I have, uh, I have three games mm -hmm. um, and some of them are my games. They're not like a master game, right? Yeah. Like that, that D5 Trumpowski game that I played, it is, it is in my anchor games right now because I, awesome. I'm going to remember that game more than I, rep, you know, remember anybody else's game. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm going to, that's a, that's a brain, you know, that's a touch point that, that is instilled in my core because I lived it. Um, so that's a great anchor game. Um, but like being able to sort of have all that stuff, I'd really love to find somebody whose style looks like the games that I wanted to emulate um, mm. and have somebody, you know, you were talking about Gopal um, and the sort of like the, the library of chess games that he just sort of knows. That was the moment where I was like, I want somebody with a library. I want somebody to like show me like, look at this game, see this plan, look at this idea. Um, and then help me sort of build an opening repertoire that isn't just sort of hodgepodge from what I've been doing over the last year, but it really is me, right? And I think that's something that I could never do myself um, at this moment. I think a coach would be great for him. So I think if I did yeah. that, that's, that's what I'm okay. do. You should definitely get some lessons with Gopal. That's why I originally got lessons with him just because mm -hmm. he's an openings guru. And mm -hmm. I wanted some work on a few openings. It was not my intention right. to start a long-term relationship with this coach. It was just mm -hmm. like, I mean, like, whatever, I'm always open to that. But I was very specifically looking for an end game guru, sorry, an openings guru mm -hmm. to work with me who would not be like, oh, I only teach the dragon. So like, right. ready to learn the dragon? Like, yep. Gopal knows that all openings thoroughly. So he's, mm -hmm. he's just like a great choice for that. And then with that, that games collection he's got in his mind, like he can, yeah, he'll give you some sample games, but that seems mm -hmm. like a great idea. That's that's kind of what I'm working on right now. And I'm having a really hard time with it because the Catalan I play is very strange. I don't play the normal mm -hmm. move order. So it's much harder yeah. to find sort of the, that yeah. sample game collection to build from, but I, that's something I'm working on. Yeah. I was, I was thinking the other day that like, it would be kind mm -hmm. of cool to like, do a chessable course that was only based on model games. Like yeah. you don't, you don't have a single line, mm -hmm. but you just have like the sort of theory chapters that some of them do. It's just yeah. all like, these are, these are moves that people have played for these reasons. And then it's mm -hmm. just only model games. Like this person plays this move because of this configuration. This person does this because this idea is working. Um, yeah. Just being able to draw from those, I think would be like, this is a really novel way to sort of learn an openings course that would be really digestible for somebody 
around my level or, you know, maybe even a little below um, mm-hmm. or a lot below. I don't know. Like <clears throat> yeah, it sounds figuring cool. out I, what moves are playable is so hard. I do have a Carol Khan book like that, <clears throat> um, where it's just basically like, this is the advanced variation. And then instead of showing you the variations, they just go through games and talk about the different variations for myself. I found it incredibly frustrating because in that moment I was trying to build up what is theoretical knowledge. Yeah, exactly. Now I kind of want to go back through it and figure Mm -hmm. out like if, if those are the games and the variations I'm playing, then that would be actually quite useful. Yeah. No, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Um, Okay. So this is what I, my takeaway is from your experience with coaches. You gained a hundred points from coaching and then you just decided that it wasn't worth your time. <laughs> I don't know that the logic works there, Zach, but all right. All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the can't data doesn't lie, right? Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's it makes sense to I, I don't think, like I said, I don't think coaching is is the wrong yeah. approach for anybody. I think if you have a smart person talking to you, um, you're gonna learn something. Um, but I do think you have to bring the right mindset to coaching. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I don't necessarily know if I, if I was ready to bring that, um, at, at the point where I decided to stop coaching and that, that makes the money harder to spend when I, I'm not looking forward to lessons. I'm actually dreading talking about games that go poorly. Yeah. Yeah. There's no point in that. Um, (laughs) Wow, Zach, what an amazing conversation. Uh, For me, the big takeaway from this is just like this chess psychology goes so deep, right? Like it's like you're you're meteoric, like like a meteor falling out of the sky, (laughs) demise, you know, you're over the board experiences and feeling that like carrying that number around is almost like an ID badge for you. I don't know. There's just, there can be so much to chess. So I, I guess I feel like the takeaway here is if, uh, if you're a better player, be nice to the people in your club, right? Like just because somebody is rated low doesn't mean they're not a great person. You know, maybe, maybe you don't have to ask them for advice on what variation of the night or if you should play, but you could still, you know, hang out with them and, and chat with them. Yeah, no, absolutely. Be, be kind. <clears throat> yeah. All right, Zach, I guess we got to wrap it up now. It's been a while. This has been a really fun conversation. Um, thanks so much for be willing to, uh, after, after such a, a quick rise, to, to sort of let viewers know, like, that's not all rises, right? This is the thing that people kind of lose sight of when you hear these stories about people who gain 300 points. The next chapter is often, and then I plateaued for a year, or and then this thing happened it's rarely and then i gained 300 more like that is just the rare version of the story so thanks for coming on and sharing uh kind of the 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 rough patch we'll call it the one benefit of the rough patch is i can tell people that this year i gained 300 points okay that's pretty great that's true what is your rating today (laughs) uh my rating is 1840 on chess.com okay um, and 2100 leeches classical Okay, so you're all the way back now. Uh, yep, uh, actually peaked uh, about two weeks yeah. ago. I hit my new peak. all the way back with a new peak. What is your over the board rating now, or do you not know yet? <laughs> I I don't know. I know that on the USCF website, um, the most the rating that is attached to my current like user number is still seven fifty one. Um, but my 
one from the previous tournament was 1460. And I think between those two, I have about 30 uh, rated games. So I'm not, I'm not really sure. Yeah. And so the newest tournament hasn't been updated yet because it's Monday and it just happened yesterday. Yep. Uh, It's it's in the system, but my rating isn't reflected in it. So, well, this is like the last tournament. Like rating history and it'll show you what your rating is supposed to be. I mean, tournament history. In real time. Yeah, yeah. Let's check it in real time. I'm really curious now since you were sporting 750 or something. So, so I go to my dashboard. My dashboard. Okay. I don't oh, know. What I, so I'm on the US the US chess website. I go to ratings. Okay. Yeah. And player rating lookup. Yeah. Yeah. Type in my name. Yeah. And if, if you're like me, it takes like four minutes to search for some reason. I'm not sure what kind of algorithm they have going on. And. Okay, there it is. Uh, my regular rating is fourteen eighty. Fourteen eighty. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty good. That's that's a pretty rapid ascent. Yeah. Your um, rating doubled in one event, or <laughs> or, or or in a short time. It's, it's possible that the the two didn't update. Like the first tournament was slow, and the second tournament was fast. So yeah. maybe it was the combination of two tournaments doubled my rating. Yeah. But yeah. Fourteen sixty seems much. You know, seems seems pretty accurate. For how I played those four games, I think. yeah. So now when you go to the club, people will treat you as if you're a fourteen sixty instead of a seven hundred. You might not hear whispers. Oh my goodness, I'm so lucky I get to play this cat, which is so <laughs> funny because I feel the reverse. I always wanted people play people higher rated than me. I would never be like, yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. I played a. I was I was talking to an eighteen fifty or something like that, and he said, "I'm getting tired of defending my rating." Yeah, like he was just this like battle hardened veteran, just like sitting on like you know the beachhead, just like waiting for the next onslaught. I looked at his tournament rating; he went three out of four, and he lost three points. Honestly, yeah, that's that's what I'm looking forward to. Oh no. Yep, there's one guy <laughs> who's chasing master at our club, and he's like 2080, and I think he stopped coming because of that. He would go like five and a half out of six and gain a point. <laughs> <laughs> like, like what is this? Oh, How is this valuable? <laughs> yeah. yeah i've seen people go like two out of two and then just drop like yeah, and i'm just wondering if they're like trying to do that like little nursing right like oh just random pairing one random pairing two don't want to play somebody who's won three games today that's uh, be dangerous for the rating <laughs> yeah exactly i could see it <laughs> all right zach well thanks so much for coming by today uh it was definitely a pleasure for me uh for those of you out there i hope you were able to enjoy Hearing someone who has gone through the same struggles that you have probably gone through at some point, and I've got terrible news for you. If you have never struggled yet, <laughs> you're going to, and it's going to feel bad, and I hate to be the one to tell you that, but it's okay. We've all been through it. We all will continue going through it, so I hope this is that week or month where you get all your rating gains, but it's not, and it's a plateau. Don't worry. That's the norm. Come back next time, and we'll have some more... Uh, tips or shared misery to to share with you so i'll see you all next time goodbye everybody